Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Nishat. And we're two friends who love music. And this is Pop versus Punk. Each episode, we'll throw two albums into the pit together and have them battled out across a bunch of different categories. We'll go back and forth to decide which album has the best song, video, deep cut, and cover art, plus a bunch of other categories. We'll also dive into the backstory behind each album and talk about how they've shaped pop culture. At the end of each episode, we'll crown a winner to determine which one of us has the superior music taste. Obviously, me. But first, let's hear from your band, Ocean Glass. All right, we're good. We're live, baby. It's great to see you. It's great to see you this morning. This is a great way to start out a Sunday morning talking about two albums that very different. Mm-hmm. Um, weirdly came out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, both during our formative years. Very uh, true. Yes. And we're <laughs> going to be talking this week about Vanessa Carlton's Be Not Nobody mm-hmm. and Fall Out Boys Take This to Your Grave. Also, two debut albums. That's true. Yeah. I mean, technically, right. also had another one, but they struck it from the record. They're like, we don't talk about Evening Out the Girlfriend. That's not a real <laughs> album. They don't play any songs off it. It's dead. It doesn't exist. This, this <clears throat> for all intents and purposes, is the introduction. And it was your introduction mm-hmm. to Fall Out Boy and Fall Out Boy being your favorite band. So why don't, why don't you talk to us about why you picked this album for this week? Yeah. Well, I just figured that, you know, if we're going to talk about um anything at all i feel like for me when it comes to music i have to begin at the beginning uh which for me was fall away um definitely the first band i can ever remember listening to um and kind of it's the touchstone for anything i've ever really done artistically and creatively in my life in terms of whether it was writing poems lyrics being bands the just like the they're like the mold that which i try to follow when i do stuff with um, my band Ocean Glass, and when I try to like think about what I want to invoke in a um, in a listener or a reader of my work, uh, the heart of what Fall Boy wants to do is what basically I'm trying to do. I'm an extension of their of their legacy, not like a, <laughs> a famous extension, but a, a poorly attempted extension of their legacy. We're gonna we're gonna put that. Blurb on the quote of the next of the <laughs> extension of the Fall Out Boy legacy. Um, <laughs> or, or you just—that's the name. That's the name of the next Ocean Glass album. Maybe that's how I get them to actually talk to me—is the cease and desist. Like you can't. Yeah, like a copyright lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a that's a good strategy. <laughs> um, Take this to your grave came out in two thousand three. Yes. Yeah. How old were you in two thousand? <clears throat> I was on the cusp of turning nine. I was eight years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, I was I was just two weeks shy of turning nine years old. Okay, when is the first time you heard to take this to your grave? Um, so my like babysitter, like w- mm. was in like the hardcore scene, and then like was driving me somewhere and had like some of the demo songs and was just like listen. To, he's like, we want to listen to this, you know, this like sappy pop shit. I'm just like, sure, and it was like pop punk, but to me that was like. I was just like, oh crap, this is like the heaviest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because all I heard before then was like my dad's like Wilson Phillips CD in the car. And I was like, this is not Wilson Phillips by any means. I mean, hold on, slaps heart. But that is such a good song. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like my first like formative like memory of hearing them. And then I don't like really remember listening to music much uh when I was like in elementary school, like until I got access to like a desktop computer in junior highs when I started like illegally downloading music, YouTube had just come out too. So that's when like I like started to like really get into like music. And my, since my only like cornerstone was Fall Out Boy, that's like the genre I jumped into and just like listened to like, you know, that's when I found like All Time Low, Panda Disco, like all those like uh, 2005 emo pop punk hot topic esque bands. Did you have a Naps- Napster or Livewire? I had Limewire. You had LimeWire. That how yeah. many times did that destroy your parents' computer? Oh my god! It was it'll fight every. It was I would download something. Remember, I don't know if uh, maybe this was just my computer getting this one, but like you would like download a song and it would like be 
like not the right song it would download way too fast and like oh no like this is like yeah, like, this like, right. yeah i was like if, if i download a three minute song in a, a minute and 30 seconds i was like shoot i got that bill clinton clip it was like it was like a like, <laughs> it was like a, a clip of his like i you know his like his like famous like i did not i did not have sexual relations yeah <clears throat> so if you got the wrong song on LimeWire, always it was just this little clip of that speech, and like I'll be like, let's say I'm, and I, of course you had to like download it, rip it to iTunes first, then get on your iPod, and then like listen to it, and then of course I'm like, it was okay. Is this gonna be Grand Theft Auto? And it's just Bill Clinton instead, and so disappointment abounds. LimeWire, I did <laughs> not have LimeWire on my computer at home. Um, mm. we had a shared family computer. It was, it was, I was not allowed to have AOL and messenger. This is going to come up on this podcast a lot. So I'm just going to preface this. I grew up <laughs> in a very religious household, uh, <laughs> with two, two technology, technologically illiterate Southern Baptist parents. <laughs> and I was able to get away with having instant messenger on my computer, which I was mm. not allowed to have LimeWire and Napster was too risky. Uh, yeah. my best friend had Napster and we would, you know, like everybody else, we would download an album and then be like, all right, we'll listen to that in four days when it yeah. is finished downloading. Yes. Um, but the album I'm going with is so it, you pick, take this to your grave because yeah. it's the album that got you into music. Yeah. So, so why did you pick beyond no, no, nobody? I'm taking the pop angle of this talked about at the top of the show, this podcast each week, I pick two albums. It's going to be one punk album, one pop album. We're going to mm. battle them against each other. See who comes out the winner. Mm. You went 2003, so I try to stay in your. I try to stay in your time frame. And I also tried to pick an album that did not necessarily get me into music, but it's the beginning of our friendship. Mm -hmm. That's true. So a little background on you and me. You and I moved, both arrived in Norfolk, Virginia, in 2016. Yes, we were in graduate school together. Uh, we had a terrible time first year. Mm -hmm. That summer, we started going to a Mexican bar to do karaoke mm -hmm. and really found our groove. Oh, yeah. Performing a thousand miles. <laughs> I don't remember how we landed on that song. Um, I feel like it had to have been you, honestly. I, pr I probably did pick it. I mean, it's like one of my, because it's like, you know, when the vibe is right, which is always. Uh, you play that song for people, and like if they're not air miming either the piano or the violin, mm. that's like that's like my barometer for like, do I want to be associated with you at any point in the future? If that song comes on and you are stiff as a rock, get out of my face. I don't need this in my life. Yeah. You know, get out of here. I I feel I feel the exact same way about uh, Grand Theft Auto or that. Oh yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It's just like if you're not if you're not standing at attention when those songs come on, I don't want to get to know you. Yeah. Um, Let's jump into first, since we're here, let's jump right into the first category, mm. which is best song. Okay. Okay. So it's easy. Here's the thing for be, for be not nobody. I could try and be contrarian and pick another song off here as the best song. <laughs> and that would be a lie. I would be lying, yeah. I'd be <laughs> lying to, to good people who have spent their time to listen to this podcast. It's it's a thousand miles. It is. It is um, a thousand miles. It's it's got to be a thousand miles. I will say, close runner up though is Ordinary Day for me. Ordinary Day bangs. Yeah, and it's a really good song. Um, and I'm going to talk more about Ordinary Day a little bit mm -hmm. later. But Ordinary Day is is really good. Ordinary Day is the first song on the album, which mm -hmm. is a, which I like. It's a good move by Festival yeah. to not to come out with a thousand miles right out the gate. Mm -hmm. you can't do that. Then you burn out all your gasoline. You've got exactly. you've got nowhere to go after that. Mm -hmm but down. So you yes. have to save it. It's actually saved until like track three. Mm -hmm. Little fun thing about Thousand Miles is that Vanessa Carlton wrote the piano riff when she was at her parents' house when she was like 18 years old. That's insane. Just had, just had the riff playing in her head. She didn't finish it until like three or four years later. That's crazy. So she had that as a demo that she was doing when she was just busking, waiting tables around New York. It's what got her signed. She was actually going to get dropped from her label. <laughs> and she was working. Be Not Nobody originally was going to be called Rinse. And there's a song on Be Not Nobody called Rinse that is not great. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> they were going to drop from the label. Didn't like how it sounded. The president of A&R Records 
I think it might be AM Records. Let me let me fact check this here. <laughs> uh, AM Records, yeah. the label. Um, Jimmy O'Vine, who's a legend, heard the demo for Thousand Miles. He says, I like this. He paired her up with Ron Fair, okay, who's the dude who then came in, heard the demo, and says, I like this. Here's what we're going to do to make it even better. Mm -hmm. We're going to put a string orchestra on it. So that's <laughs> really the magic of a thousand miles. Yeah. I think it's that piano <clears throat> riff and the strings. Yeah. The do -do 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 -do. Orchestrative strings that kind of build up throughout the entire song. But if you, as soon as you, I would say this about a thousand miles, maybe the biggest thing about it is that the piano riff, as soon as it comes on, you know the song is immediately. Like yeah. that's a thousand miles. You just yeah. you hear it. Mm -hmm. boom, you're there it's just that it's just there it's like a little little tic tac in the brain that goes off it's just like boom it's like, what was the, what do you remember listening to that or hearing that when you were in high school i or middle well school. yeah <laughs> middle school for me i do remember hearing it um in fact one of my friends older sisters uh she like she would play that song a lot they had like because they had like the I think that song was on like one of those like now what I call music CDs. Oh yeah, and we were like at one of their houses for like a family party or whatever, and um, <clears throat> they were playing on like the boombox, and I was like, "Yo, this goes off!" Like that <laughs> piano was just like out of control. I was like, "Holy shit!" I think so. I was a huge TRL guy. Mm -hmm. Like I was not allowed to watch TRL, but my parents were oftentimes very neglectful and had no idea what i was doing so <laughs> i would just sit in my room and have my tv remote on watching trl and then i would turn it off as soon as i heard them coming up the stairs mm -hmm. and so um thousand miles never got to number one on trl actually it also never got to the top of the billboard hot 100. it that's crazy it got stalled out it got really close it got into the top five can you guess can you guess the two songs that kept it out of the number one spot on the Hot 100. Uh, I don't even know. I probably have. I truly don't know what the music landscape was like outside of okay. Pop Punk. Let me time. give you. Let me give you a little hint. Okay. Let me give okay. you a little hint. Both rap songs. Okay. Both of these songs were played way too much at my decidedly white private middle school dances. Um, an awkward amount. Okay. One I. Okay, both rap songs. Both rap songs. One of the rappers from St. Louis. Is it? It's is Nelly. Nelly from St. Louis. Yes. Okay. You okay. got it's Nelly. Can you hot in here? Hot in here. Yes. Yeah. Hot in here. Which? What can you do? I mean, hot in everybody loved that song. I would have to maybe even argue that people didn't love the song as much as they love the music video, and that's what kept it up there. <laughs> the music video is really good. That's the one when like the ceiling is literally on fire. There yeah. is, and and no one panics. It's like yeah. the worst training video for like <laughs> emergency operations. It's like fire, no one leaves. The other song, the other song that kept it out of there was Always on Time by Ja Rule and Ashanti. Ja Rule. Yeah, that was a period when Ja Rule's like, baby. That was just hot. <laughs> Everyone liked it. Um, Everyone liked that. So that's what kept it in there. And mm -hmm. I definitely heard about but thousand miles was on trl a lot it was on trl mm -hmm. so much we're gonna talk about the video later but it was on trl so much that it got retired remember when they used mm -hmm. to do that when they were just like i'm so tired of listening to the song but there's like four people at home that just have not stopped calling in and voting for it so we have to retire yeah does does take this year have a song that can come that can come close to a thousand miles i think maybe it does i want to hear i want to hear the case for it um man i think i don't know if take this to your grave has a song that hits like the cultural legacy like mm -hmm. on a widespread that thousand miles does like <clears throat> like i think when people think of fall boy most people would refer to like uh from more of the cork tree as like what they remember you know like take this to your grave commercially did not do what like other albums did for them you know what i mean like 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 from the court tree, you had like sugar going down, dance dance, 
even like a little less 16 candles i feel like is like the lesser known single oh, now but that is so good but i think people will remember that song over a lot of take this to your grave unfortunately and then like at that point like once you get to like if you're on high you have like the jay-z feature and you have them hanging out with the kardashians like that's like that was like like megalomaniac fall boy on top of the world era so i feel like take this to your grave on a global sense or even just like on like a national sense because really uh overshadowed by the rest but i mean like i think in terms of the legacy it leaves in the genre like itself like um um i probably th i probably think that um welcome back I, I probably think that um uh i think grand theft autumn is just like i think one thing is your grave sets the tone for many bands in the future like myself included but i think grand theft autumn is just that song like you said like you hear you just hear the opening like where is your boy tonight and everyone's just, like losing their minds i mean like there's a reason why like when you see them live like the lights go off p wens comes on stage there's like a spot and he says please stand for your fall point national anthem and everyone knows what's coming and then from the darkness you just hear pat do that first like line and the whole like the, and I say stadium now because they play in stadiums. Like the whole stadium is out of control for that song. Um, I think that's what comes closest in terms of that, that could try to go at bat. But I do think that overall, uh, a thousand miles. I mean, like it's in it's in movies. It's a karaoke song. It's like it's everywhere. Um, you can't escape it. You met you mentioned it with movies. I could not. So I was surprised. I went to look at this and I was like, "There's got to be." like tons of covers of thousand miles right like tons of mm -hmm. people covering it N not really like not not like any like really famous covers of songs mm -hmm. the biggest i think cultural touchstone with a thousand miles is white chicks oh yeah <laughs> um oh yeah which i to be honest with you the first episode of this podcast i did not expect to talk about white chicks um, <laughs> i had saved that for much later um <laughs> but white chicks came out in 2004 it's wayne's brother movie where mm. they're cops yeah and they have to go undercover using whiteface which these are these are movies that only got made in like early 90s like 2000s yeah i would never fly now and the premise is basically that a thousand miles is the whitest song ever mm -hmm. and that in order to pass as white they have to know what this song is like yeah just, it's like their national it's the white girl national anthem <laughs> and there's the famous scene of terry cruz oh yeah in the car just Yoki. and it's yeah he's fantastic i mean terry cruz fantastic you so know, good i gotta tell you for fallout boy like i'm one of those guys i'm i'm gonna talk about i didn't know i didn't listen to fallout boy or even hear about them until uh sugar we're going down ended up on trl mm-hmm like didn't didn't know but yeah. i think the first time i heard something from take this to your grave is and i i will i will look this up but <laughs> i'm pretty sure that saturday yeah was on like a madden soundtrack i think so yeah like i'm pretty sure it was on one of them and that's mm. and that's the that's where i remember it mm -hmm. and i want this is something i want to hear hear from you about saturday has the like the hardcore screaming the scream yeah and there's more of that on take this to your grave mm -hmm. but that's the one that i really remember sad or hard yeah and fall boy doesn't really do like when do they stop doing it this is the album i think this is the last this time it happens well, i think well i think there's like two songs on uh under the cork tree um she uh there's a song called i think i suck with someone in fall boy and all i got with a stupid song written about me i think there's pete screams a little bit on that one um and i think that's like really it it might come back oh no i lied it's it's also on um carpal tunnel of love um on infinity on high uh during the bridge um pete screams there too but it doesn't happen a lot um which is a kind of a bummer because i think the the like the juxtaposition of past like really clean beautiful crooning almost like prince like vocals versus pete's like really just like guttural gruff scream it sounds really cool like yeah. the line um if you if <clears throat> for those that want to do further research there's like a whole like it's like maybe 20 minutes long but it's a youtube director's cut 
of Take This to Your Grave. It's basically Fall Boy in a van talking about this album very, very, very quickly. Uh, and they're playing, like, it's so old. This video is so old. They're in the trailer and they don't have speakers. So they're playing the demo on an Xbox, like, from their TV. Like, they put like, it in the Xbox. The old school fat, like, yeah, yeah, fat the fatty Xbox. Xbox. Yeah. yeah, they're playing it on there and they're talking about it. And so you could barely hear the songs in the background, but they're talking about Saturday. And, um, What's cool about Take This to Your Grave is that it's when they were still trying to figure out the writing process of like, so at this point in time now, Pete does most of the lyrics and Patrick does, okay. he figures out the vocal melodies. But back then, uh, Patrick was writing lyrics too. And Saturday is one of the songs where mm. Patrick's actually has, has written the verses and the chorus, I think. Um, yes, because the so the line in Saturday is, Pete and I attacked the loss of Storia, but originally it was Pat and I. But since Pat is singing, um, he was like, or uh, so I think Pete wrote that part actually, but Pat writes the chorus. Uh, and the chorus that he writes or Pete screams on is, I've read about the afterlife, but I've never really lived more than an hour. And like when you like, then that's the first time you hear that scream come in and you're like, oh crap, this is like kind of interesting. Because um, the, the whole like first half of the album is just a, a just very, you know, old school pop punk, just like fast guitars, you know, pedals to the metal. Pedal to the metal. Ahead. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I found that, I found that part on Saturday really, really interesting. Cause you're, cause it's basically the, all the band getting to do all the things they like. Uh, whereas a lot of the album, I think is, is you're seeing the tension of the two members, uh, Pete and Patrick, just like really trying to like butt heads and figure out where they belong in this band. So did they, so the, like how did they get how did they get together were they in like a hardcore scene together were they doing separate things for a while yeah so um pete and joe were in um a, like a bunch of hardcore bands um the band they're both in was i think race trader or was it arma angelus uh i forget one of the Pete was in both bands. I think Joe was in one of them with Pete, and then uh, Andy, the drummer, was in another band uh, in in the scene as well. Um, and the way that they came together was that Pete and Joe wanted to just kind of like write, you know, just like not hardcore stuff. Just wanted them to do like their own, like just like just for fun, just like just like writing exercises and practice like softer stuff. Um, and then in a record store, Joe was talking about like some band uh, and some album and. This guy overhears him and corrects him, saying, "Oh, it's actually this band you're talking about." And that was Patrick Stump. And Joe was like, "Oh, you must, you know, you know, you know some shit." And they invited him to practice with him and Pete. And Pat originally came with an acoustic guitar to be a guitarist. Um, or sorry, sorry, he came to be the drummer. Uh, and then Joe said, "Bring your acoustic guitar just in case." And so then they had him play a "Saves the Day" cover, and they're like, "You sing really well. You're going to be the lead singer of this band." Um, yeah, which is like. Crazy that like he was imagine Patrick Stump drumming and not singing would been wild. It would be a crime. It would like, be a crime. Yeah. I mean be... he could although I would like to see like like a Genesis move where like mm -hmm. he is drumming and singing because something I wanted to, to talk about with you. So you're you're a lead singer in your band. Yes. Okay? Correct. Patrick Stump's vocals mm -hmm. are fucking incredible. Untouchable. I mean like it's so hard to do what he does. Does he have like any so like Vanessa Carlton, like her background, like she went to um like a, a ballet school, like mm -hmm. she has classical training, and you can hear that in her yeah. lines, like especially later in the album. Mm -hmm. But does he have like like how did he how did that happen? Was did he grow up in like a church and he was singing like gospel I'd, music all the time? I'd imagine that's like where it has to come from. Like I I don't actually know about his formal training. Um but like he he's got that very soulful, you know, like that, you know, like lead singer in a church kind of like belt. And like you can hear I mean, they actually have a song on their latest record, Mania, uh, called Church. And you can hear they have a gospel choir in it. And when you hear Patrick over the gospel choir, it just makes sense, his voice. You like you can kind of just see like, okay, this is where maybe it comes from. Um, but I cannot confirm that for a fact, so I won't I won't say that as fact. But yeah, his it's his voice. Well, actually, in my listening notes, I wrote down that, like it's so interesting to hear someone with such like a a range and like soulful style of Patrick Stump over music like this. Because at the time, you know, your kingpin bands were like Motion City soundtrack, right? Green Day, yes. Big One Eighty Two, right? So you have these like really different. Like, I mean, like I guess Justin Pierre, who's actually featured on the album on Chicago, so two years ago, uh, is maybe the closest of like those higher. 
um, like tenor one, tenor two range singers. Like you think about like uh, I don't know, even like Tom DeLonge. Like has just that he like he sings higher, but he's got this like you know he's got that very California, the, you the know nasal. the quintessential nasal right. But Patrick yeah. is singing a lot from like the chest at really high ranges, um, which really how you can get those like really large tones on some of the songs here. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, going back to Saturday, sorry. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool when they have the, the juxtaposition of Patrick's clean vocals and the screaming. I think that like really puts him to the next level. Like honestly, like people call this pop punk. Uh, and I know that some people are like, oh, like Fall Boy isn't even a punk band, but their roots are like really put into like, like the scene of of heaviness. I mean, like you can hear a lot of heavy stuff that goes away as they evolve, but like this album goes hard. Uh, it goes, it goes hard. hard and it goes deep. Yeah. Well, so I wanted I wanted to switch gears here. Give me your favorite like deeper track on the album, and I think uh, I know I think I know what the answer is. So let me yeah. let me say that I know what the answer is. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know if it really counts as a deep track because I believe if I was to cut this thing up and put it on a piece of vinyl, that it would still be on the A side. Mm. But is it homesick at Space Camp? I do love that song a lot. Because, um, I mean, like, also this album is, like, it's a really great homage to Chicago in many ways. And the first line of Homesick at Space Camp is, is landing on a runway in Chicago and I'm grounding all my dreams of, of ever really seeing California. And I just, like, love, like, how snarky those lyrics are. Um, but I think that, like, uh, I know one of our... Um, uh, categories is best lyric, and so this is where this jumps into for me. For Chicago, so two years ago, um, I mean that song is so so good, and the bridge of that song where he sings, "You want apologies, girl? You might hold your breath until your breathing stops forever." Like, oh my god! Like, imagine being the girl that that song is about, and just sitting there hearing that, and being like, getting run over, yeah, <laughs> absolutely just steamlined by like your ex. Like, holy crap! Um, but yeah, I also just like, I think the nostalgia of that song is why I love it so much because of the fact that like, one, it's called Chicago so two years ago. And it's just, it's so ironic to say that because like, how could Chicago ever be passe or how could it ever be old? I mean, it's such a beautiful city. And I think it's like Pete kind of like taking jabs at a city that will probably always have a bigger legacy than him, like, you know, and his ego, uh, no matter where they go, where they travel to, because obviously a lot of them are in California now. Um, but like it's still you can't escape the place you've come from and the place that made you and I think that's what a lot of the song is about and also the content of like you can't escape the relationships that make you even if they hurt you and they bring you down in many ways um, and it's also the song that when I would we, you know, when we were in grad school together when I would fly home uh, as soon as I could see the Chicago skyline I would start playing Chicago so two years ago just so I could like feel like that song like just beating through my veins again as I'm landing in like my hometown That that's really funny you bring that up so there is a song. So I'm from Philadelphia. You're from Chicago. Mm -hmm. My best friend and I have this thing where we like just either mishear or intentionally misinterpret lyrics for songs. Mm -hmm. And we used to play every time we grew up in the suburbs. Every time we would drive down to Philadelphia, we used to play "Sugar, We're Going Down." Right? <laughs> if you could see the skyline because we we thought for a really long time that it's, <laughs> we we're going downtown. So we were, like, we're going downtown, and there it is. And then when I found out that's not what it said, I was like, it's still that to me. Like, I mean, this certainly could be. I will say, uh, of all the ways Patrick Stump is skilled at, his enunciation skills are really, they're not sharp yet, the first two albums. <laughs> Hold, I want, you, I want you to put a pin in that. I want you yeah. to put a pin in that real quick, because I need to talk about the, I need to talk about something with Vanessa Carlton's voice. Yeah. But I want to tell you what my favorite song, Deep Track, on mm. take us to your grave is and because i have a question about it and yes. that is it's grenade jumping oh okay so who is chris chris is like one of like actually one of their friends and he was like one of their first and only fans um for a long time so they thought that we okay. would write a belated like thank you song to chris basically um because the grenade jumper is the person that from your you know squadron would jump on the grenade to die for you basically and so chris has taken the bull here because fall boy actually was like hated for a long time in the scene because like you know, the first Fall Boy show happened when they were unnamed at the end of a hardcore show he was playing at um, with actually uh, Tim McElrath of uh, Rise Against was also in the hardcore scene at the time. Hey. And so they let Fall Boy like, 
unnamed band at, at this point in time play at the end of the hardcore show just so that people could kind of gauge uh, how they felt. And there's a video of it on YouTube of them playing the skate park, and like no one gives a shit. Like they're like they're playing like songs from like I think um, I think "Call Me Form the Storm" is one of the songs because it was on their first record too, and it was one of the demos. So it was playing "Call Me Form the Storm" and like no one gives a shit, and like people are just like like what is this like soft ass shit? Like play us like real hardcore music, and like Pete Wentz decided then that like I'm gonna make this band something because I care about this band, and like that is the ethos that has driven Fall Boys to be the global phenomenon that they are. Um, but Chris was their friend when they were losing a lot of clout in the hardcore scene for being just like, you know, kind of like sissy, whatever they want to call it, you know, the, the you know, the non-masculine, non-hardcore Fall Boy. Um, which actually, so I mentioned they're unnamed. Fall Boy got their name because they were going through a ton of different names at a t uh, in the first two shows. They were playing a show down at SIU with one of uh, Tim McElroy's bands. And uh, Pete was introducing them in, with this very long band name and someone from the band who had heard them before maybe introduced once as fall boy or another said no fuck that you're fall boy so then later tim refers to them as fall boy on that show and because they respected tim so much and because they loved the simpsons for where fall boy comes from it's decided okay. to uh radioactive man um they were like you know what we'll just stick with that but then they had to put a space between fallout because of copyright issues because of copyright issues and and yeah. it's a great and they have a great band name Oh yeah, like, that's a great band name. Take, I mean, mm -hmm. take this to your grave is a, a fantastic album title. So good. It's 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 better than be not nobody, but be not nobody is actually pretty good, and it's a hell of a lot better than Rents. Um, I agree with that. Actually, I I like. Uh, I think it's really cool that both of these albums are trying to, kind of like, they're in terms of the lyrical content. A lot of these albums are trying to find identity, right? Yes, and ego. Um, you know, like a lot of these are both kind of breakup albums. I mean, a lot of these songs on Be Not Nobody are like about like trying to find yourself, like or trying to disillusion yourself from the idea that like you need a man as a woman to like feel whole or to feel loved or to be someone so or to you know be not nobody, right? Um, because I, I love that instead of saying be someone, she's using the double like she's using a negative, be Definitely. not nobody, yeah. Um, I think that's really cool that she's uh pushing against this idea of like, you know, you don't have to be someone, but you just have to not disappear. And I think that the, a lot of these songs are her way of doing that. But I want to hear your, yeah, I want to hear was, what you And she was definitely that. trying to like figure out what she wanted to do. So mm -hmm. like, again, she had a lot of pressure on her from her label. Like she was about to get dropped. Mm -hmm. And I've in some interviews that she's done more recently, and we'll talk about like where these two artists have gone like mm -hmm. nowadays, but she kind of looks back on being not nobody and is like, kind of wish I wasn't 21 when I made yeah. this thing. Um, she was like, kind of wish I was a lot, was older because she wrote, so she wrote all the songs from this album, except for mm -hmm. one, which I'm going to talk about in just a second. Mm -hmm. And, but she did not have her full say in the arrangements. Mm -hmm. uh, so she wrote all the lyrics. She wrote like most of the melodies. She didn't have her say in all the arrangements. And, I'll tell you this. Here, here's the, here's the here's the, the poison pill of a thousand miles. <laughs> so, our guy Ron Fair came in. He was just like, "I'm gonna dress this shit up with some strings." And he mm. heard that on Thousand Miles, and he was like, "That is banging." And yeah. then he was like, "I'm gonna put strings on every single one of these tracks." Yeah, uh, because it is relentless. It is yeah. a relentless, swelling, sometimes mm -hmm. Disneyish orchestra on this thing. Mm -hmm. um, there are there are songs that kind of sound like waltzy Broadway stuff. Yeah. Um, like Prince and Paradise, one of those. Don't really do it for me, I'll be mm -hmm. honest with you. Yeah. Pretty Baby. Pretty Baby, I Pretty Baby sounds like it should be like the theme songs in Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm on a I'm on a tree swing and I'm yeah. just gliding over a very shallow lake. Mm -hmm. Um and I don't want to be there. I, yeah. I wanna be on the ground. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like the deeper cuts on this album, like you can just feel her, she's trying to kind of figure out what she wants to do. And mm -hmm. I think what happened is a lot mm -hmm. of the more like poppy straight for the jugular kind of almost like early seventies Elton John rock yeah. on here, like mm -hmm. ordinary day unsung mm -hmm. thousand miles sway is another one that's got yeah. like a good little clip to it. Mm -hmm. I think that those were maybe a little bit more pushed onto her. And mm. I think as you get a little later into the album, it's like what she was more into. 
Yeah. Um, which is like a little jazzier, a little folkier, like mm. not not as immediate, not as poppy. Yeah. Um, and the deep cut that I want to talk about on this track is painted black. So yeah. I don't know why this is up here, but there is a <laughs> there's a cover of painted black, which is a Rolling Stone song. Yeah. Um it it's a painted black's a dark song. Mm-hmm. Like painted black is about being like it's like the song if you were 15 years old and you were like before like the cure came out it was like mm-hmm. this is my god song like I want yeah. I want to I see a red door I want to paint it black yeah um this song like it kind of does it kind of gets there with the rockiness it's got like some sitar in it it's got a really weird like accordion move in there which I yeah. did not expect mm-hmm. um. And it's an like I when I put in this album, I was like, I am excited to hear what she's going to do with Spain and Black Sample. Yeah. Um, and she really tries to sell it. And and what like she's got this thing with her vocals. And I don't I want to hear what your opinion is on this. Mm. Like she's got this like pouty. Yeah. Like, almost kind of like it's not babyish. But it's like almost bratty. Like yeah, it's like, it's like lazy. Voice. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you listen to the stuff she does, obviously her voice doesn't sound like. She's also like 21. Yeah. But I'm wondering with this, like, it made me think of Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. I can see it. It's like, she's like seeing it almost like like half slack jaw, it feels like, for that song. Like, it sounds get... like smeared paint a lot of yeah. the time. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting because it's like sandwiched between two songs where she's singing beautifully on some pianos on either end. And yes. so it's just like, it could like have come out of nowhere. Twilight, kind of. like, yeah. They're like Disney-ish piano ballady. Like pretty, yeah. pretty much just strip it down to piano, her voice. And mm-hmm. then Paint It Black, she just comes in just like ripping and roaring. Yeah. Um, like and like ju- jumping instruments. All, over the, <laughs> all over the piano. Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of instruments on yeah. that Paint It Black cover. And I do not remember having that many on the world. To be honest with you, um, but her, yeah, like her, her vocals on this album, I did not remember her sounding like that. Mm-hmm. Like I just didn't remember her sounding like that at all, and it really struck me. And it made me, it made, and like Caitlin and I were talking about this, it made me think about, made me think about Britney Spears, it made me think mm-hmm. about Christina Aguilera, it made me think about those like '90s female pop, pop icons who I think mm-hmm. had like the studio wanted them to do this sort of like vocal affectations, this sort of like sex, like weirdly sexy cheerleader yeah. voice, which did not age well. It, mm-hmm. it, it did not age well. Yeah. No, no, no. What? So you, you talked about best lyric. Yeah. Okay? I don't think that be not nobody can stand up to take this to your grave. Miracle. No, I don't there's think just, so. There's just no chance. I mean, yeah. take this to your grave. I can you just can you just I'm just I'm gonna I'll just say here here's the lyric I like the best from Be Not Nobody and then what I want mm-hmm. you to do is just spit out all your favorite lyrics from Vegas to your grave. <laughs> but here here's the one that does it for me for for Be Not Nobody and it's from uh, Ordinary Day. Yes, which is okay. a great song. Great, it, it does it song. does the swelling string thing well. Like it, mm-hmm. it gets that. Yeah. So it's, take my hand, live while you can. Don't you see your dreams lie right in the palm of your hand? Mm. I love that. That's got a little like it's got a little emo tinge to it. Yeah, and with like the and when you hear that line too, the pianos underneath are starting to swell a little bit too. She's doing the she's really skilled at that fast like the fast like going oh, back yeah. between keys, and it's like the speed at which she delivers some some of the transitions in that bridge are really nice underneath those vocals because you're like you want to like rise with it you want to like stand up too it's like it's a roll call like your dreams right here let's go let's go. yeah it's aspirational <laughs> i mean like you can hear the classic piano training on here there is no oh, yeah. doubting vanessa mm-hmm. carlton's chops on the piano because she oh, yeah. can play that thing mm-hmm. so hit me what what is your is it grand the bottom is that your favorite where is your boy tonight i hope he's a gentleman maybe he won't find out but i know oh i mean like there's like it's like so hard because like i like literally like because like like i said like my i just listened to my dad's old cds in his car growing up until this moment right so i had wilson phillips like very you know very old school like you know uh hopey dopey someday somebody you know like i never like we never got this kind of like young teenage heartbreak lyrics until i listened to this 
And like, I was just like shocked at every turn, every song. I was like, holy crap. Like, what are the things this guy is saying? Like, this lyric uh, doesn't actually exist on the Mr. Grave. It's on from one of the cork tree. But there's a song where Pete writes, I'm the first kid to write of heart, lies, and friends. Uh, which is like not true, but like he's like got like he makes the, you believe it. But he makes you believe it. He sell in when and that line comes after "Take Us to Your Grave," come, you know, exists. Like, how do you not believe it, right? I mean, like, it, like "Ordinary Day" is a great opening track. It, 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 opening it track. sets it sets the mood right. But I will argue that "Tell That Mick He Just Made Me Listen Things to Do Today" is like one of the greatest pop punk nice. openers of all time. You so open fun. with the the dial tone and then just the instruments, the drums, the guitar, just all crashing in. And then like, oh, my God. And then like, you get the little, like the, the scream of the guitar cause they're pulling on like all the chords and just like ripping down from the top to the bottom. Um, I think that song has, the chorus is so mean. Let's play this game called when you catch fire. I wouldn't piss to put you out. <laughs> Holy crap. Stop burning bridges and drive off of them. So I can forget about you, like oh my god! I like it's so hard to pick a good lyric because every like because like being on nobody, like you can definitely hear that it's an album instrumentally and vocally that Vanessa Carlton's trying to like save her career in a sense, like try to like prove that she needs to stick yeah. around. But that's I think there's a difference in having to save your career in front of a label versus saving your career in front of a scene. And Take yes. a Street Grave is an album yes. of four guys saying, this might be the only album we ever write as this band, but we got to prove to people that this band isn't just a joke. And so you can like feel like the tension in every song of like this, like they like they know that this is maybe, this is their debut, but also maybe their swan song. And so every song feels so urgent and so desperate in what it's trying to do. Like, man, like Call Me For The Storm is a song about, uh, Patrick Stump getting cheated on, and like the line, he's well hung, and I'm hanging up. Like, <laughs> like come on. <laughs> like, when you when the when you got your heart broken for the first time, oh like, man! How many times did you listen to this album? I just, just I like found out that I was being cheated on. Jumped to this, jumped to this album immediately. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I was like, I was like, I listened to this album my whole life, not knowing what that heartbreak looked like, and still finding this a banger. Let me jump into it with like my heart and just shreds and i was like yeah i'm like 19 still holds up still works 10 years later i'm still bumping this and like there there has been there there are a lot of things that are problematic sometimes especially with like pop punk, punk music about mm -hmm. like the miso misogynistic vitriol that can be direct yes absolutely. like a lot like most of the bands are all dudes and mm -hmm. like a lot of the songs to break up songs are like yeah. fuck you yeah like you broke my heart um i like how do you how does that like thinking about that now that conversation yeah. obviously is happening a lot more now than it did back when mm -hmm. we were growing up yeah does I that change your relationship to like take this to your grave or like really like you know same with maybe under the court tree too yeah i think for take this to your grave at least from what I've read from the lyrics, and like, I, and I hope I'm not trying to do some fall boy galvanizing here because I like them so much. But I think it's the thing that like they're doing heartbreak in a way that like, like yes, they're saying mean shit for sure, but like, who's not saying mean shit when they're being broken up with? And it's not stuff that's about like you're, you know, the lyrics are on like you're ugly or like it's not like you know, you know, it's not like slut shaming or like anything like that. Like uh, it's just being like you've, it's it's like classic. It's just classic like male bitterness right like you've picked someone else and it's not me and i wish it could be me and that sucks and like i think that there's i think there's i do think that there is room for bitterness for anyone all around right like not just for men be women women be men or you know non-binary folks and pals i think just when you're when you are heartbroken it's hard to not feel like that when it's one your first time you know like the, i mean they wrote this album and they were like 16 17 and i'm trying to think of like the things i was writing when i was at the age like i was it's certainly not like thinking about like feelings or you know like like oh is this gonna hurt someone's feelings or something to feel bad there's definitely like you know making someone a pariah like if people knew who these songs are about i'm sure that there's like some difficulties there right like i think about like you know 
one of the big examples of misogyny in pop punk is the story so far, you know, Undersoil and Dirt, like they like yeah. really, they really like slut shame in that song. Um, they victim blame here and there and they, um, you know, um, they, well, they're really not sex positive in that, in that album, you know, like there's a lot of this, like uh, something about like how many people have been between your five. It's like, it's one thing, like it, it doesn't matter if this person's hanging on sex, they're inclined to do that. Right. But in, in a song like Call Me For The Storm, it's about you're having sex with someone else when you're dating me, like that's messed up. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. like a different kind of like, you know, anger. And I think that like, that's a little more justified, but I, again, like, I don't want to like spin this whole thing. Okay. Just cause you're angry and upset, you can now like destroy someone. Cause I'm sure that, you know, there's a person behind where these lyrics are pointing their, you know, edges to. Um, and so there, I think we, I guess this, hopefully we just find a balance. And I do think that Fall Out Boy did a good job eventually moving to, um more mature lyrics like as pete wentz gets away from teenage heartbreak and gets to more adult heartbreak and like you know like there's the, the divorce he gets right i think the divorce happens right around being on high and filet do you see a lot more adult stuff he's got a kid at some point not too thinking about that and so like the vitriol turned into more adult questions of like where does this leave me as a person if i continue to fail at love you know like what do i do here versus like you're you know you're 17, 18, and 19 got broken up with your hardness and shambles. You've never felt this pain before. I see Take This to Your Grave on that era, on that end of the spectrum in that era of heartbreak in someone's life. But um, I think, it's, yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I think that what doesn't, like the difference for me, I think, is that there's a tongue in cheekness, I think, to a lot of the lyrics. They're so clever, they're so well written, and there's like mm -hmm. a a little bit of self-deprecating humor. Oh yeah. Sort of, tur it turns the, it, the it, this is, you know, it turns the knife back on yourself a little mm. bit. And I think yeah. that, that kind of makes it work and it makes it so that it hasn't aged poorly, I think. Mm. What, they, what they, we talked about before we got on uh, to record this, like the commercial implication, like if you, if you had, you go back, you listen and take this grave to your grave now. You're like, how are people not just fucking lining up outside these guys' house? Just being like, we're going to sign you to a major label and you're going to be humongous. And yeah. Fall Boy became humongous, but yes. it didn't happen with this one. Mm. Um, for Vanessa Carlton, it, it's probably like, I almost see it like a seesaw. Like, yeah. if I gave you, if I gave you, at the time when Be Not Nobody came out, like, mm. like you were saying, Fall Boy, definitely not cool to like yeah like, it was yeah. not cool to like fall out boy mm -hmm. you were a loser if you yeah like still like that a, now honestly <laughs> yes that's true like and like you were and you definitely weren't cool if you liked vanessa carlton you were also not cool however mm -hmm. a thousand miles was that song that like if you if you went into a football locker room like after the game and it was a win that one might come up that's, that's, that's and, and everyone's going to sing it and it's their guilty pleasure that they, yeah. that they keep away. Everybody yeah. saw the video. Yeah. Um, video. The video is iconic. Yeah. Um, before I get to it, I wanted to ask you, that's one of our categories is best video. Mm -hmm. that, I have, I have never seen one of the videos from take this to your grave. Mm -hmm. Is there one that you like particularly um, shot on a pretty limited budget? very limited budget i think like the only like so they have how many singles they do saturday uh grand theft autumn slash razor boy tonight and then oh dead on arrival um dead on arrival banks that also i yeah. think was in a video game at some point i think so yeah um that's got that like dead on arrival has that fallout boy like chug to it it's yes got that 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 like two mm -hmm. liter gallon of soda just chug to yeah. it. That dance dance has. It's got yes. that same feel. Yeah, it has the same. Yep. Yeah, it has that same like just really really rhythmic beat that just keeps you driving through. It's it. almost like discoy. It like it has that like a little bit. To it where it's <laughs> just, like it's just pushing you along. I, I yeah. love it. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a great song. It's so good. I th oh, man. the gang vocal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that the video is probably best is Grand Theft Autumn just because it's like probably the most budgeted one. Like it's like, you know, it's like on a set um, and like there's like stuff happening. I think Saturday is a cool video though because it's like, it's all, it's like a detective video where there's like 
like a bunch of killings going around. So like Pete Wentz is like a uh, murderer or something like that, and his calling card is like uh, I think like Ace of Spades or Ace of Hearts. And Patrick Stump is a detective trying to find out who's doing all these things. But at the end, it's like almost like a Fight Club thing. It turns out that the same person. Um, it's like a Jekyll Hyde thing. So Patrick okay. Stump is the one doing these things. And I, I think it's like trying to show the dichotomy of the fact that these two people are trying to be the singular voice of Fall Boy together. You can't have one without the other. Like you they, can't have one. And, and it's like a split song. It's like uh, yeah. the, the, it's a hyphen song, mm -hmm. uh, which are always fun. And it's like, I feel like that's a real emo pop punk thing. Like, yeah. That is really popular with that. The, th yeah. the Thousand Miles video is much more wholesome than that. Yeah, um, I think that one wins it. I, I, I truly do. I think it has to. It's basically yeah. Vanessa Carlton finds a magic piano in her garage, yeah. and she gets on it and is then just whisked away across all of <laughs> Southern California. Interesting fact about this video is that that was not like there is a green screen that is used for the video, right? Mm. But she actually was on the piano, and they drove her around on a fucking truck. Like if like the A and like the A and M insurance guy is watching this and he's like, who signed off on this? Like, We've got this twenty-one-year-old from Milford, Pennsylvania. We're just dragging her along in a four pickup with a piano through downtown Los Angeles, but it works. It works, and it's iconic. That that like I said, that video was on TRL every day mm. for the entire duration that it was allowed to be on there, and yeah. If you had told me in 2003, if you if you had sat me down and said, okay, we got Fall Out Boy, we got Vanessa Carlton, who do you think is going to have a more successful career? I would have, I think everybody would have said Vanessa Carlton. Yeah. But then like, that's that what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's not. It's not what happened. Um, mm -hmm. Closest Vanessa Carlton really came to another another hit as big as Thousand Miles is Ordinary mm -hmm. Day. Ordinary Day got to number 40. Uh, on the Hot 100, it's a great song. I mm. would, I would say my favorite other Vanessa. Do you have another favorite Vanessa Carlton song that's not on this album? Um, I do like White White Houses. Uh, White yeah. Houses yeah, White is House. fantastic. Yeah, that I think that's like the closest like fall dun, she did. Dun, 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 mm -hmm. dun, dun, crashed on the couch when I came in. It's yeah, so that's. I think that's like the. And that's the last I, I listened to her after that. Like, yeah. she's put out quite a few albums since then. I have not heard any of yeah, She has. Um, yeah. Think about White Houses that people should go watch. It's actually at the center of Vanessa Carlton's episode on Punked, the old mm. Ashton Kutcher show. She got <laughs> punked, and you should, you should watch it. You can find it on YouTube, and White Houses is heavily involved in there. Uh -huh. Also, fun fact about White Houses, co-written by the lead singer from Third Eye Blind. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Steve Lacey. Who knew? Um, Who knew? Vanessa Garland's released like five albums mm. since Be Not Nobody. And like they've definitely gotten like Vanessa Carlton has gotten more of like abstract. She makes mm. like abstract kind of pop songs now. Mm. They don't really do it for me, but good for her. She's doing what she wants to do. And yeah. A Thousand Miles has basically bought her a career for as long as she wants it. Yes. Fallout Boy has gone in the opposite direction yeah exploded i mean like what for the core tree put them massive yeah and the thing is take us to grave like did like they, they started getting a lot of shows when the album came out like people did like the album uh in in the pop punk scene right like it was not cool like them because they were whiny and annoying and they're from this hardcore scene so because pete was pretty well known in the, in the in the chicago hardcore scene but people just like this is not for us this is you know this is some like baby shit get this out of here but once they brought it to like other folks they're like yo this is this shit kind of rips you know what i mean um so then they had from the core tree huge success in theory on a high i mean who hasn't heard things for the memories at this point like you know they've thanks for the memories that's a that's a fantastic song my favorite song from infinity on high though easily is this ain't a scene it's an arms it's race. A goddamn arms race. It's a goddamn arms race. Also, yeah. and like sometimes, sometimes I'll dip a foot. I'll dip a foot into that Demi Lovato cover. I'll put. I'll not the cover. <laughs> excuse me, where she's featured on it. You know what I'm featured, talking about? The uh, in there. Irresistible. That one. Oh, that's irresistible. Okay, excuse yeah. me. But like, like you're saying, like Fallout Boy, basically. I feel like what happened with Fall Boy is people were like, "You guys are lame and you're too poppy," and they were like, "Well, fuck you. We'll show yeah. you what like real poppy can be." Like yeah. they have gotten. They're huge. They're and huge. 
they're they're so big that they've reached dad rock level. So my yes. father, before COVID happened, called me and was like, "Do you want to see Fallout Boy and Green Day and, and Weezer in yeah. Atlanta, Georgia?" And I was just like, "That's where we are. Like, like take this. <laughs> yeah. They've gone so far that they've crossed into Mike Yarbrough's. Yeah, they've, yeah. They've, they've popped that bubble. They're in there. Like these guys went from playing skate parks of like twenty people to selling out Ridley Field in their yeah. Hometown. Easy. How like, many? How many bands easy, do that? Easy. Not many. Not many. Like you can argue and say whatever you want, but like, oh, like the new music sucks. They they've gone poppy. It's right. not fun. Whatever. Cool. Enjoy typing that out from your you know. Private jet, so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like they've they've done it. They've done the thing. Like they did the thing that Pete Wentz set out to do. They become one of the biggest bands. So world. how do you how do you feel about it personally? Like when you hear the new stuff, I love that shit. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Like I I was like at first I was just like, hey yo, what's going on? Like you know like because they had their they had their like hiatus for a bit, and then they came out say rock and roll, which like again another I another tongue in cheek moment where we're like, hey, we're gonna come back and say rock and roll as if like rock and roll was dead and he was saving, or as if Fall Boy is a rock and roll band. Um, but it was a good album, and once I once I let go of, I think the problem. That many people are into, and maybe need to grow up a bit about, and I'm gonna call it to people here, perhaps, is that like if you like old Fall Boy and don't like their new stuff because it doesn't sound good old stuff, grow up. They're not the same grow band. On. Are you the person you were when you were 17? Hopefully not. If you were, you must be a nightmare. You unless you're a really terrible. cool 17 year old, yeah. right? And like once I let go of the fact that these guys will never probably make an album like the old thing again, and are doing pop stuff, they're doing what they want to do, and they're having fun. You can hear the fun they're having on the albums, and I love it. I'm all about it. People like did not like Mania. I thought Mania was excellent as a pop album. That was a great pop album. And great it still album. had instruments. They still play their own shit. They still write their own shit. So like I'm I'm Gucci with it. I like it a hold lot. Me, hold me tight. But such a good title don't is that yeah don't the little whistle in there little dancing i mean yeah they're doing they, cool they, stuff they've, they've still got it um yeah if a new fallout boy album comes out i'm down to listen to it yeah um if a new fallout boy comes out with the chain smokers on it i'll pass yeah but i'll that's, i'll take that album when it could yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll i'll pass <laughs> on that that's probably more chain smoker related than it is fallout boy related, related. Um, but like, I'll listen to it. I will say this if the new Vanessa Carlton album comes out, I'm probably not gonna listen to it. Um, yeah, actually, she I, has me all out right now, I'm pretty sure. She, I think it came out in 2020. Oh, you're right, she's touring is, it, she's touring it now. Love is an art, yes. Yeah. Um, it didn't do it for me, but again, mm. I'm glad that she's out here. So, yeah. I feel we, I think we've reached a point where we can just pick a winner here, yeah. Although, all I do, right. I need to, I need to get one, I need to get one jab in here, yeah. Cover art, I'm a bit. I love. I love good cover art. Okay, uh -huh. I, love I think the Fall Out Boy cover art is serviceable, and it's semi. It's like semi iconic. I feel like uh -huh. it's, yeah. it's kind of like you see that image a lot, and mm -hmm. it's very like pop punk. I like it. It's basically just a photograph of them. I imagine just like hanging out backstage or something. It's a, it's on like a friend's couch in an yeah. apartment. In, in an yeah. apartment. Vanessa Carlton, I am I'm sad to say, she helped design this album cover, and it looks like the like Grateful Dead tapestry that your dipshit first cousin like hangs <laughs> in their freshman dorm room. Yeah, it looks photoshopped and it looks real bad. Yeah, it's not good. I I'm gonna say that best out cover art goes to Take Us to Grave because also yeah, it's, it's, it's they're it's doing because like the the blue like the the text and the blue shading is trying to do what old jazz albums used to do. I think it's hilarious. It's a really funny gimmick that they're like, oh yeah, we're a pop punk band. Here's a jazz album. Yeah, yeah. It I I didn't even I did not pick up on that, but I like <laughs> like I think yeah. I think it it if I think if I try and like think of a Fall Out Boy album cover, that's probably the first one that comes to my head. Yeah. I think it is for me. Right, probably. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, if I was, if you were to tell me to give Be Not Nobody a rating, mm -hmm. and I had to give it out of like, we'll go pitchfork scale. We'll go pitchfork yeah. scale here. Okay. I'm going to say mm. 6.3. Okay. I yeah. I have no I have zero justification for that point three. It just felt right. So yeah, I'm just it's a pitchfork scale. You know, I mean, they put yeah, arbitrary decimal just, points in there because they don't point, know what they're yeah. doing. Um, I think that's a pretty fair rating. I'd probably put it a little lower personally. Uh, for me, just because I think like five point seven. 
Like okay. it's like, like for me, like five is like the five is an album that passes, right? It's an album that like I've listened to it and I didn't find it like atrocious, right? The thing yeah. is, why love thousand miles and I love ordinary day. An album can't live off of just its two singles and like the other songs, just like I mean, uh, no question here that Vanessa Carlton is one of the most talented pianists, very, very oh, yeah. good vocalist. She's wonderful and a great human being. Has a lot of great, you know, um, activist stuff on her socials. She's a mom. She's just like a wholesome person. Loves her parents. Respects them a lot. Um, but like the lyrical content felt very, it felt very steady to me. It, I didn't find super crazy highs, super crazy lows outside of the singles. And the instrumentation is again very good. But it again, it kind of like you know, you can. A lot of people outside of pop punk will say pop punk all sounds the same, but all, a lot of the songs sound quite different on Take Us to Your Grave. You know, the gas is on, but I they're not just hitting you with sound. There's like quite a lot of thought put into how chords and progressions are working. I think the tough part with piano singer-songwriters is that when you add the strings to it too, it just becomes very beautiful, but it's like beautiful background noise. You know, I couldn't like, like if I think of, besides like Ordinary Day and Take This, and, uh, sorry, not Take This Grave, uh, Thousand Miles that have very, unique and very uh memorable like piano lines a lot of the other songs are just like very pretty chords being held for like a measure or two and so they kind of blend into my memory yeah. of it and i can't think of like you know i feel like i don't know like unsung and like twilight and all that could probably become one song i wouldn't maybe even notice like when i was listening to it, i had to go back and play songs again because i didn't know when one ended sometimes and then no one had begun where or, yeah it yeah. gets a little muddy i would say yeah. like from like rinse to paint it black mm -hmm. like it like that rinse sway paradise prince like it's, it's yeah. a little muddy and i think yeah. also like when you have the strings and you have the piano you can get into like musical territory a little mm -hmm. too fast yeah and like i and this is going to come up on this podcast a lot i fucking hate musicals i hate them <laughs> so like i Hey, get me away from that stuff if i if i hear somebody like sing speaking and I mm. feel like I'm just like, get me out. Get me out of yeah. here. Yeah. Give me. Okay. So, so you're, you're going like five, seven. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, I will say like, I will say this. I think the lyrics to thousand miles, like there is something very poignant to me about mm. if I could fall, is it, I could fall into the sky. Do you think yeah. it would pass me by? Like that doesn't make yeah. any sense, but it makes yeah. sense. It's yeah, that, that's poetry at its finest. It feels right. Yeah, it feels right, and I love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Take this to your grave. Do you want to go first? You want me? You go first. You go first. Yeah. So I mean, like, I it's one of my favorite albums of all time, but I'm not gonna be biased to just give it a flat ten out of ten. But I think it's like yeah, you can't I, give me a ten out of ten. I think I give it a solid like eight point nine. Like yeah. So I think like you know for what it is for a debut, like it's it's messy, it's ugly in a lot of spots, you know, but I mean, for lyrical content, some of Pete's best writing, some of Patrick's best writing on lyrics. Um, while Patrick's thumb sounds really good on this album, if you listen to him over time, his vocals get s somehow even better, right? He's, so I know that he's, he's not right. seeing his best still. Yeah. Um, and, um, and like, and the instrumentation, of course, you know, they, I, I, th I do think every song sounds different, but at the same time, it's still pop punk, right? So sometimes I'm sure that other people who aren't from the genre could feel like this gets lost in the mud too. But it's totally fair. Because I do think there's a lot of more experimentation and a lot more uniqueness to songs for what they do down the road too. So I think that for what this is, I think 8.9 gives it, you know, I think it gets extra bumps just for the, the legacy of what the album does and how, you yeah. know, Rolling Stones, like what I love about the Critical Sessions albums, when it first came out, people were like, ah, take it or leave it. You know, Rolling Stones called it run of the mill music for what you expect of this genre and then a couple years later i mean like a couple years ago actually they put it as the the top five and they put it at number five in their 50 greatest pop-up albums of all time so it's like people didn't know what they had here until it was gone you know what i mean like there was some like 65 year old white guy editor at rolling stone who got that assignment to put that list together of the greatest pop punk albums of all time and almost quit he like yeah. smoked an entire cigarette like in one puff <laughs> and was like i'm about to fucking get out of here um i i i agree with you for me take this to your grave it's a it's a flat eight it's a mm -hmm. it's an eight it, and that's strong that's a, yeah. it's a strong album i think mm -hmm. if you could boil this down to one thing like the tagline for this mm -hmm. battle that we've had here on pop first punk yeah be not nobody has got the most memorable song in it 
Uh, mm. Billboard did a list of the most memorable choruses mm. of the of the two thousands, mm. and Thousand uh, Miles was like number fifty or something like that. Yeah, number one, number one was Call Me Maybe. Just so just so you know that. Okay, it was Call Me Maybe. That is Call good. Me Maybe. I I this little teaser for you. At some point in time, Carly Rae Jepsen's going to show up on this podcast. I was going to say, it'd be shocking if we did a pop versus punk and didn't have, have you know, CRJ on here. It's going to come up. But Fall Out Boy, that album, Take This to Your Grave, has had way more standing power than Be Not Nobody. If you went mm. up to somebody and I asked you, what did, what do you remember about Vanessa Carlton? You said Thousand Miles. Yes. You went up to a Fall Out Boy fan and you were like, what's your favorite thing about Fall Out Boy? You might hear Take This to Your Grave. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I, I, that's a good note to end on it. Yeah, I think so. So I think, oh, okay, so like, let's go into, so obviously we, we scored it and we, we said that takes a great one. But just read it for the people. Let's go through the categories. We have best song, best video, best lyric, best backstory, best cover art, and just let them know what we thought about all in all about these things. So I'll let you okay. do Be Not Nobody. Let's do that one first. So you take it away for the categories and I'll give you mine on that one. Okay, so best song was Thousand Miles. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> best out, it did not get Best album cover. Best album cover. <laughs> uh, that one's Take This to Your Grave. Best lyric for me, it's from Ordinary Day. Mm-hmm. Um, take my hand, live while you can. Don't you see your dreams? Like yeah. Your hand. Yeah. Um, we, didn't, we didn't do this category, but we did mm-hmm. mention a little bit. I think best pop culture reference does have to go to, um, it's got to go to Being Out Nobody from White Chicks, Terry Crews. Like, yeah. You got to get the No pick. question. Easy. It's, Easy pick. I'm not going to say you need to. Go, anyone needs to go and rewatch White Chicks, <laughs> but I think that you should do yourself a favor and YouTube that scene. Yeah, um, the clip is and, worth it. And then best video, you got a thousand miles as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, uh, for being on nobody, yeah, best song, thousand miles. Best video, video, thousand miles. Best lyric, I actually really liked uh, the lyric on Unsung. I believe it was. Um, let me check my notes real fast. Uh, she writes, I wait for the words on the tip of your tongue. I'm only as good as the last one. And that was like, I was like, hey, she yeah, really sneak that into a right punk Yeah, you could sneak that. I was like, like you could, I, I think I wrote some of these songs could also be pop punk in their lyrical content. And that was at the start of the album. Once I got to look at the end of the album, like once you get to like Prince stuff, that, that's, that's pop for sure. But like, I wait for the words on the tip of your tongue. I'm only as good as the last one. If you had like a BuzzFeed quiz, is this Fall Out Boy or is this Vesta Carlton? People might get tripped up. People might not know. Unless they like really I agree. I, I would probably pick Fall Out Boy. Yeah. I'm only as good as the last one is just like, that's that's heartbreak. That's heartbreak to a T. Um, so I think that's my best lyric. Uh, I like that one a lot. Um, best cover art. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I think it's your grave. It's just like so much cooler than that, like Grateful Dead tapestry. Way cooler. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think Take Us Your Grave wins this one. I think I think it gets this one. So how we're how we're gonna do this is whoever wins gets to pick the theme for the next show. Okay. So you won. So I'm tipping. You got the first round here. So. You're going to pick the next theme for the show. We will figure mm-hmm. out whatever that's going to be, and then we'll mm-hmm. be back in a couple of weeks. I think I can actually give them a sneak preview of the theme. The theme is not going to be a, a big theme. It's going to be a time theme. I want to do one that came out in the last, like, we'll say max five years, right? Okay. Because I, I think that pop, cause pop music has changed a lot, you know, from the course of being on Nobody to now, right? And I think we oh, have yeah. a lot of really interesting pop coming out here. And I think it's going to give punk a run for its money here because, like, the genre of pop punk has not changed that drastically. You know, <laughs> not there's been really. not really. There's been like a slight. We've added more pop. I think it's gotten more poppier, in fact, rather than punkier from back in the day. Of course, there's some bands who are trying to do some old school pop punk stuff, which I'll try to bring some on here. Um, but I think that's going to be an really interesting dichotomy of seeing how this this felt truly like pop versus punk, where that they sat on two ends of the spectrum, and their tying thread was they lived at the same period of time. It came out the I same th- time, yeah. Yeah, I think what we'll see, and hopefully in this next episode, is that we're going to see the intersection of pop and punk a lot more. Um, so okay. that's what we'll, we'll look forward to. We'll see what albums we got coming in the kitchen, and then um, you know we'll get to it. That's right. That's right. <laughs>